Hey friends, welcome back to Real Life, Real Talk, Real Coffee with me, Hannah, your host. I'm super excited for y'all to hear about what it's like to be an Enneagram 3 from my friends Adrian and Bryn this week. Um, They have so much wisdom and knowledge, um, and it's cool to see people who love to be achievers and succeed at things be vulnerable and talk about how the Lord has been working on their hearts um, in their threeness. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Well, Brandon and Adrian, I'm excited for other people to get to hear your perspectives and just about you. Um, for those listening, these are two of my best friends and they're in a life group, so we get to do life together. Um, but I'm excited for everybody listening to get to know you and to get to know what being an Enneagram 3 is like. So um, do you want to start us off by introducing yourselves and just kind of what your world looks like? And we'll start with Bryn. Uh, I'm Bryn Jensen. Uh, I am married to John, uh, who's an Enneagram 2. I have two kids, Brant, who is 8, and Tessa, who is 5. I work at Smithfield Hog Production. I'm a safety manager. I've been working there for six years last week. And um, so I uh, primarily take care of workers' comp injuries and then make sure that uh, employees don't get hurt on our farms. Um, and we finish uh, over 3 million pigs here in Iowa. And then I operate in five states with sow farms and feed mills and things. Yeah. And how long have you guys been at New Hope? We've been here for um, three years. Yeah. That's cool. And Adrian? So I'm Adrian St. Clair. Uh, my husband is Dallas, uh, an Enneagram 5. Uh, we have three girls, nine, six, and one. So lots of fun there. Yeah. Um, I am a um, sonographer by trade, and then here we moved to Des Moines um, mm-hmm. almost 10 years ago. Oh, wow, um, it's been that long. It has. That's crazy. Yes, December will be 10 years, so we're right at nine and a half years um, here in Des Moines for a, a really neat opportunity to teach ultrasound. Yeah. So I work at Mercy College of Health Sciences downtown Des Moines teaching ultrasound there. Yeah, awesome. Mm-hmm. So we'll just start off um, with how y'all both got introduced to the Enneagram or your first encounter with it um, and just what that looked like and how that started. We can start with Adrian this time. Okay. (laughs) Um, I was first introduced to the Enneagram by a coworker, Mm -hmm. gosh, probably five years ago or so, um, and she was, you know... Um, gung-ho about Enneagram and very excited about it. I think it helped her um, understand her relationship and some of her, um, you know, life situations and things like that better. So um, she was into it for several years before she finally got me to to (laughs) do the test, you know. And uh, so we did the test and found out that I am indeed an Enneagram 3, which she had already pegged me as such. Did she tell you that before? No, she didn't. She didn't. And so I... I learned just a very little bit, you know, she read me the synopsis and then told me that, you know, uh, they call the three the achiever. And I was like, enough said, that's yeah. me. Yeah. And then that, uh, that was pretty much it uh, until our small group picked it up here within the last couple of years and yeah. did more diving deeper into it. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. What about you, Bryn? Well, as an Enneagram three, I <laughs> constantly am uh, doing personal development and professional development things. Yeah. Uh, through work. So I've done any assessment out there, Myers-Briggs, DISC, um, the color thing, change management stuff, 
um, because I want to improve myself and I want to improve mm-hmm. my, my relationships with others. So uh, seeking to understand what other Enneagram yeah. types are and, and what their strengths are or DISC or whatever it might be. Um, so me and a coworker, Todd, um, we constantly are doing these kind of things. Yeah. And so we both took the test and I was waffling between a, a couple of options. Um, and then, uh, I read the synopsis, um, from your Enneagram coach and mm-hmm. it was very convicting yeah. and it was like, Oh, that's uncomfortable. And they say that when you read something and it makes you like uncomfortable it's probably probably what your yeah what your type is and it definitely was was that for me um so then I just I really love the idea of the Enneagram because it's not like a personality test of putting you in the box Mm -hmm. um it's really what motivates you and what drives you and that spin on it for the achiever of an Enneagram (laughs) three I think is really fitting as well yeah. as I like, I mean, I was in a car with three coworkers and they took the test and we were talking about it and it makes me understand them so yeah. much more on how they process things and why they're maybe at a slower speed or, or whatever. So I love using it in a personal situation with my life group. Yeah. And then I love doing it as a professional sitting, knowing that what my team is, um, so I can work better with them. Yeah. I think that that's a really valuable thing to point out is it can be used in a lot of different parts of your world in different ways. So that's cool to hear. So how would you each define, you mentioned Adrian Achiever, but how would you define what an Enneagram 3 is or describe what that looks like to someone who maybe has never heard before? We can start with Bryn. You know, I think um, Enneagram 3s are definitely driven they um they have the capabilities of leading a team mm-hmm. and um they don't always want to do that necessarily but they definitely are in for the success of whatever it is it could be okay. um it could be developing a new you know room or bible study on Sundays or like that is where enneagrams 3s thrive uh-huh. is making projects move forward and keeping things on time. Like a trailblazer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's been fun. Um, I think we're our lifelong learners. I think that we constantly are trying to learn more, Mm -hmm. um, which is, uh, is probably unique to some Enneagram types more than others. Um, we are achievers. We like to win. Um, <laughs> I prefer to have a win-win with other people. I try to always compromise and find those win-wins. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, I think that we definitely want to pursue not perfection, but success. Interesting. Whether like it be for us or others. Those. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And to, you know, elaborate on the whole idea of what motivates you, you know, I think with a three of the, a lot of the motivation to accomplish things Mm -hmm. and to be successful is around the idea of we feel value in ourselves. We have worth, like we can sense the worth and Mm. have know where our value is with whatever that project might be, you know, and it could be at home or at work or at church. Um, 
but give, having that praise, right, and having the acknowledgement of your contribution, right, it, yes. it gives us value and worth, and so that's why we keep wanting to achieve and accomplish the things. So it's not necessarily we work hard and want to succeed for you know, the, the personal gain or the money or, you know, something tangible, but more so like I feel worth and yeah. value yeah. because I've accomplished whatever it was I set out to do. So how, what is, what does success or achieving look like then? Just getting praise from someone, like hearing that they saw value in that, in what you did or? For me, I mean, I think that's huge. It's yeah. a huge part of it. It really, really is. Um, just so that I know that it didn't go unnoticed, unnoticed. Yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that it's my soul, you know, because, I mean, there is something just personally that feels good. I don't know that yeah. anybody doesn't ever feel good when they accomplish a goal yeah. or set out to do something and do it even better than they had thought they might. But, um, you know, for me, there is definitely something for that acknowledgement of mm-hmm. of where I've gotten to or the thing I've accomplished. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with all of that. And one unique example is when we first started going here, it's probably our second or third week. Mm -hmm. And Pastor Ryan stood up and said, we're looking for somebody to help us videotape baptism videos. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, I I mean, I can do that. I did that for my previous job. Like, I I can do that. And it wasn't because I wanted to be announced on stage of like, Bryn did this, but I wanted the church to look professional. I wanted Mm -hmm. the church to look and be what I saw. Right. And so if I can aid in that, like, and new hope can look better. I mean, it's, it's about what I can contribute as well to that greater cause of right. making things look like, you know, polished and professional and growing. Which and is that. a three. Yeah. <laughs> you like to be polished and professional. Yes. yes. I will say Absolutely. they are both wearing jeans and like have makeup on and I'm sitting here in yoga pants and no makeup for those who are not here. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, that's awesome. I think that helps describe for people like how your brains work because it's cool as one of your friends to see you both operate very similarly in those ways. So what parts of an Enneagram 3 do you most identify with? Do you see yourself like, oh, that's me? Or um, just that you see come up most often in your life, I guess? I would say the ironically, the core fear mm-hmm. is being unworthy or worthless. Gotcha. And that's definitely something I've struggled with my entire life looking back. And it's probably what's been so hard with my walk f- mm-hmm. with Jesus mm-hmm. specifically is that that core fear of not being worthy enough of his love or yeah. worthy enough to sit in the seat and in worship because of sins or because of mistakes or because of whatever my burdens that I've been bearing. Yeah. And so when, when that conversation came up, that's a hard conversation for me because as an Enneagram three, I'm going to stuff that down real deep real far, and not talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, which is probably what life group and talking about the Enneagram really brought out the most is because Previously, I wasn't going to ever focus on that <laughs> side of, of the Enneagram. Yeah. Um, but when we tar- started talking about that, really spoke to me on saying, this is me. Yeah. And this is something I struggle with. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesus can meet you in that. Yes. Yeah. And, and that was kind of an eye-opening experience mm-hmm. of saying, like, number one, I'm not unique. 
there's other people that f- struggle with yeah. that. Yeah. Um, you know, and then connecting with that, like, that's okay. And there are people that can help pull that out of me. Right. And get those negative thoughts, getting those core fears out of my head and replacing them with truth. Yeah. Which is him. Yeah. That's cool to see because you both started with the Enneagram, not necessarily in a Christian circle. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but then obviously in our life group, it was in a Christian circle. So just how that is a tool, both in the secular world, but also um, in a Christian world is cool to see God can use it in both ways, mm-hmm. yep. which is cool. Um, Adrian, which ones do you, what pieces do you most identify with? You know, I, I would probably piggyback off of some of that. And, and she started to allude to the stuffing <laughs> of emotions. Mm-hmm. And in general, you know, a lot of threes don't make decisions based on emotion because that's not going to get you to success if right. you're, if you're mm-hmm. constantly hinging on how things feel because you've got to just go, you know? So Mm -hmm. in general, the threes don't sit in emotion very well. Uh, and I do not at all. And, uh, so that's definitely been something that, you know, I think God has been working on me through life group, you know, through different conversations, um, from, you know, life group or, you know, in personal conversations from other members of com- with, with life group to kind of push me in that, um, you know, getting uncomfortable in those emotions yeah. and just wrestling with them. I'm still very early in the working process of that <laughs> because I would, it's much more comfortable to stuff them than it is to try to figure out yeah. what I'm feeling and why I'm feeling in that. And, how to move forward in those emotions. So that's, that's been a good one. I mean, where I definitely see work in progress. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the stuffing of the emotions partially for me is that we want to portray a certain way, Mm -hmm. right? They say that threes are shapeshifters and can shift ourselves into whatever situation and whatever's needed. Yeah. And being an, an emotional wreck is not, and something that anybody needs. So um, it's easy for us to shape shift and put those emotions to the side and act a, a certain way or totally mm-hmm. um, maneuver ourselves um, in, because we don't want to seem unprofessional. We don't mm-hmm. want to seem whatever right. it might be. Um, and we can, we can do that really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so nobody knows what the burden is or whatever situation it is. Gotcha. That kind of ties into the next um, set of questions. I want to talk about how the in, using the Enneagram as a tool has impacted different relationships in your life. So we'll start with your marriage. How has Enneagram, um, you both know what your husband's numbers are. Mm-hmm. So using that tool in marriage, how has that impacted that? Well, John is the classic Enneagram too. Uh, He's also in the two episode if you care. <laughs> and so he will do anything yeah. for anybody at any given time. Um, you know, it, it's his heart for people mm-hmm. is insane and immense. Um, he will give a thousand percent to me and the kids. And, and in our marriage, I can take advantage of that mm-hmm. <laughs> because I have goals and I have, uh, you know, the list of things to do and mine go to the front because of him being a two. Gotcha. So his projects will always go to the back burner, um, to accommodate that. And I think we can see that a lot in our marriage, in my career, 
you know, mm-hmm. maybe coming first because I travel for work and he has to take care of the kids as a single parent a lot. Yeah. Um, and those kind of things. Learning about the Enneagram has made me realize that. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just, well, that's how our marriage is. It's that's not really how our marriage should be. And I'm realizing how important it is for me to make sure I'm back by Thursday morning so he can go to dude's group mm-hmm. and, you know, things like that. Yeah. Because if I'm not, he's like, it's fine. We're, you know, I can do this. It's not a big deal. It's no problem. Well, but it is because he needs right. to be filled up too. So it almost like exposes your blind spots. Yes, and absolutely. how to maybe overcome those. Yep. Yeah. What about you, Adrian? Yeah, I, I mean, I can honestly say I, I haven't put it up to use in my marriage a whole lot. I do know, you know, just some characteristics of a five, yeah. um, especially in in times of like tension and trying to help understand what's going on, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Um, fives in general like space yeah. and need some time to be alone, you know, and uh, so just understanding that, um, that can be helpful. And, yeah. and sometimes, you know, you don't always remember that <laughs> when I continue <laughs> to pursue, later. like, like I want to talk now. No, they need, you yeah. know, they just need some time to think and, yeah. and have that alone time. Um, and, and again, I think motivations, just understanding really from a very general basic concept, if you can understand what motivates somebody you can really start to see you know why they do the things they do or the decisions they make and um so that that can be helpful um as well but um definitely some things i could probably do more of is just understanding you know his um enneagram and how they work together yeah yes yes which is a really interesting thing yeah what about both of y'all being moms and having kids? How's the Enneagram played into parenting? Um, you know, like we obviously, we can guess what kids Enneagram numbers might be, but we don't know for sure. But knowing your number as a three and as a mom, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. You know, for me, probably just not putting my ambitions and drive, you know, mm-hmm. not, you know, I'm superimposing that onto my children. Right. Um, like that pressure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's probably the biggest thing, you know, is just understanding that they will have different motivations and, mm-hmm. and things that, you know, um, that drive them that are different than me. But uh, that's probably the biggest thing is just to kind of give them some grace, cut them some slack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah totally. Um, I think it's easy for me to fill a calendar Uh, and get them into Mm. anything and everything um, because that's what I thrived in and that's what I do thrive in Mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean that's what they do want or should Mm -hmm. Um, and I can see that as my son gets older Mm -hmm. uh, that I need to pull back Mm -hmm. uh, probably and make sure I give him that time to recharge um, that maybe I don't necessarily need Um, the other part of it is that I probably need to dip into my my wings a little bit here, pending on the kid, um, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit differently. Gotcha. Because that probably is one of the things. My two are very different in personality. And so parenting them 
Um, and that's why I love the personality stuff is right. So I can, I can gear myself to know that I can't parent Brant the same way as I parent Tessa. Yeah. Because their hearts are not the same. Um, and they don't react the same to whatever type of uh, situation we're in. So, um, I think not that I know they're Enneagram types, um, and not that you're, you're not supposed to type children. Yeah. Um, but you can make guesses guesses (laughs) and and I can definitely see that kind of play a little bit of, of what, uh, how I parent them and I parent them differently. Yeah. Yeah, and I was just going to say one something that's you know interesting about the Enneagram is that as you delve deeper into your number, it will tell you about you know if you're in a good place in life or if you're in a stressful Mm -hmm. you know uh, place in Mm -hmm. life, and and how that number, how that Enneagram type, um, you know, lives. Uh, in different types of situations, in yeah. a stressful time of life and a good time of life. So they call it like what is it? growth and something. Yes, and growth and stress. Yeah, growth and stress. And, stress. And, yeah. and so just reading those, especially sometimes too for me, if I get in kind of a weird funk that I'm not exactly sure, like what is wrong with me? You know, why do I feel this way? And I can go back and and look at oh, an enneagram in times of stress mm-hmm. acts more like a nine, and I'm yeah. like oh, I'm totally acting like that right yeah. now, and so that just yeah. helps also give myself grace like okay and then also well what's going on you know and why what do I need to look at reevaluate figure out ask yeah. God for some help with yeah so that I can get back to that healthy three yeah so um I think the last question I have for both of you is how has knowing what your tendencies are as being um as identifying as an Enneagram three how have those impacted your walk with God um and your faith um I know you talked earlier, Adrian, about worth. Um, and so I would imagine like that in Jesus, the immeasure, immeasurable worth that we have in Jesus mm-hmm. is a hard concept or that you are worthy of um, his love through Christ. Like those concepts um, just sound like they would be more challenging as a three. Um, so I just love to hear about your hearts and your faith and your walk with Jesus. Yeah, um, I just, I kind of have a sort of a story that I can bring it all back around. And it was two different events. One happened several years prior to knowing my Enneagram number. And then after learning my Enneagram number, remembering how significant this event was and then putting putting it all together. So um, a handful of years ago, I was with a group of people studying um, the prodigal son story. Yeah. And... um, usually, you know, the focus of that story is about the prodigal son, you know, and Mm -hmm. he squanders everything, but his father welcomes him home with open arms and throws him a party and still gives him half of everything, you know, and that's typically the focus of the story. Well, this particular study also talked about the elder son and, um, that the elder son was just as much as in, in the wrong as the prodigal son because his motives were misaligned. Mm. You know, he, mm-hmm. he came to his father and he said, why are you throwing him a party? I've, yeah. I've served you. I've, I've obeyed you. Like, and now I have to share everything with him. Yeah. You know, he squandered it all. I, I was here. But all along, his motives in serving and obeying his father were to get something out of it. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I remember doing that study and thinking, wow, I'm pretty sure I don't have my motives in the right place. You mm-hmm. know, I, I felt maybe as though the reason I was doing the things I was doing, particularly in the church, 
were to receive yeah. praise, you know, acknowledgement, yeah. to to say I achieved, to say like, oh well, I did these things. Yeah. I'm here. I've done. Look at look at all the ways I've served. Yeah. And it wasn't for the right purpose, just mm. like the elder son and the prodigal son. So then coming several years later and then learning about myself as achiever yeah. and how I am, you know, just motivated by that praise and the accomplishment of the many things and the busy schedules. Yeah. And so then it was just all full circle, like, okay, yeah, that really was why I was doing that. And so that was almost freeing to me to realize, like, I didn't have to do all of that. Yeah. Because guess what? It didn't matter to God anyway because <laughs> I was doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. So just like it didn't, none of those things mattered to, this, to the father and you know, for the elder son because he was doing it for the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. So it was freeing for, to just say, okay, well then I, I'm going to just, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Yeah. You know, and I'm going to spend the time to say, is, is what I'm going to commit to fulfilling my purpose yeah. that God has for me. And, and don't get me wrong, there are, there are and will be times, you know, that you just have to do something yeah. for somebody that is not for your purpose, but you can step in and be the person to help, right? But I had gotten to my, my, the point where I was doing too much yeah. for the wrong reasons. So, um, that for me has just been huge, putting that, all those pieces together and seeing like, I need to make sure that my motivations are in the right place yeah. for what I'm trying to achieve and who I'm trying to achieve it for. Yeah. And that's been kind of cool to see play out because you're doing children's worship now. Mm -hmm. um, is that once a month? For the summer and then yeah. we'll start it every Sunday yeah. this fall. Yeah. But that's just been kind of cool to see God like plant on your heart and then yeah. grow that and then see you Very serve much. with joy as a out of instead of out of obligation right it looks totally different it does and it feels um, totally different yeah. yeah and as you can imagine you know the pieces fall into place yeah. much easier when yeah. you're when you're doing what he's asked you to do yeah. and not just serving out of obligation yeah, yeah. that's awesome Bryn what about you how has um knowing your tendencies as an Enneagram 3 impacted your faith yeah once I drove into that worthiness and and look back, especially hindsight is always twenty twenty. but <laughs> um, I think my difficulty with my walk with Jesus came with the feeling unworthy, mm -hmm. which came from having miscarriages mm -hmm. and having people consistently try to ease my heart by saying, you know, it's in God's hands or it was God's choice or, you know. God has what, a plan. Yeah, God like has a plan. All, all those things. Yeah, which spoke to me what what I heard, what in what I internalized was, you are not worthy of God's children. Gotcha. And so why would I walk into his house and mm -hmm. praise him if I'm not worthy? And mm. that feeling destroyed my relationship for a very long time. Yeah. For some reason, I came in this building and God put me into a situation with Life Group with you know, people who surrounded me with love and understanding of that and to be able to break that wall down yeah. and, un and realistically now he, he, he chose me for that mission mm -hmm. for a very different purpose for being the friend that you can reach out to if something happened yeah. or the person that knows a coworker or has a question 
And I hate that I have that in with so many other women, but I also like realize that God put me to use me in that. Mm-hmm. And so I, it was a hard lesson uh, to learn, but definitely realized that that unworthiness, that feeling was not realistically that, yeah. that aligned uh, in that way. But it took me a while to get there and, and definitely that will creep up every once in a while. Yeah. So uh, definitely on my, my list of things that I continue to work through and really mm-hmm. have to surrender to him. During If Gathering, we were supposed to write a word on our succulent of, you know, what we were going to walk away and, and focus on. And, yeah. and my word was surrender. Like, mm-hmm. I just need to give it to him and walk away from all of my planning and all of my achieving and all of all of that. Yeah. And he will he will give what I need. He will fill my cup. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I love hearing that both those stories because they're both so unique to both of you, but also similar in the fact that they're Enneagram 3. Mm-hmm. Um, so at New Hope, our values are love, grow, and go. So loving others, growing in your faith, or going and serving. Um, which one or combination of those things do you feel like the Lord has you in right now in this season of life? We'll start with Bryn. <laughs> um, I think that... You know, I, I, I'm called to, to love a lot, mm-hmm. um, probably because of the fact that we're fairly new to this community. You know, we've, we're not lifers to Adele, yeah. um, but we've, we've really grown to love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, I love New Hope. I love our small group. I love, um, the, the kids ministry. Mm-hmm. And so just loving on other, you know, members and, and trying to support them and what they need. Um, and then growing in my faith, you know, I think that I've, I've said this, it's a continuous learning and walk. I didn't grow up going to church every Sunday. Yeah. Um, we were farmers, so we, we spoke to God in the field. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that was, that was just our life. Um, not because we didn't believe, but because it was just, uh, a full-time 365 life that we had. Um, and so it's a lot of growing for me and understanding and probably starting back where other people did, um, maybe in their youth and continuing to kind of process that, uh, and process through that. I always joked when I first came to New Hope, I was like, can I go through the kids classes? Cause I want to learn all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Adrian, what about you? Yeah. Um, I think that. I'm definitely, you know, still knee deep in the grow stage mm-hmm. as well. Um, I did grow up in, in the church, um, in a Catholic church. And so there wasn't a whole lot of, you know, kids ministry opportunities. Mm, so I, I like the both of you, you know, feel like I, I don't know all of these things. So I still learn things from my kids when they come home. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't, are we really ever out of the growth stage, right, you know? Right, So there's that. Um, I mean, I do feel like the, excuse me, the kids ministry um, is maybe my go. Yeah. You know, what my go looks like. I think go looks differently for everybody. Yeah. But I think that's that's what go looks like for me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had told uh, you guys before in, small, in our small group that I was really, you know, confused as to, how in the world um, singing songs with kids was going to bring people to Jesus. And 
if that's really what God was calling me to do. And uh, I wasn't really feeling like that was exactly it um, until, you know, Palm Sunday. And uh, we had a packed house and, you know, God showed me kids singing songs brings people people to to Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. So um, that's my goal, I think, right now. That's so awesome. Going down the hallway is just as important as going over the ocean. Mm -hmm. So that's awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. That was really eye-opening and also heartwarming just to hear how the Lord has worked in you guys as threes. Thank you. Thank you. I hope that y'all enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. It was cool to see how the Enneagram has played a part in both of their lives in both the secular world and in their walk with God um, in their Christian life as well. Um, I hope that y'all are enjoying hearing how the Lord has been at work in people at New Hope. And next time when we talk about Enneagram 4s, I hope that you enjoy it just as much.